We're going. Does that sound like birds to you? People thought that he used actual screeching of birds. Isn't it make... just a violin? It's a violin. Yeah. Played very harshly with microphones up close, but yeah. anyway. No, I never thought of it. I did. Was this after Birds? No. Oh. Did you not see the foreshadowing about his next movie? Why not? That's why I'm like, oh, is he paying homage to his other movie? <laughs> anyway. Oh. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't start. um hey this is uh this is a podcast Mm -hmm. it's not a movie it's not a tv show it's a podcast so yeah it's the lowest of the lowest form of media media right now (laughs) i think the only it it's a step above a blog oh blogs they're audio blogs Mm. i used to have a blog and now i just say it all in a microphone Mm. yeah anyway why do we own this dvd is the name of this Low form of media. I'm Diane. That was weird. I don't know. I'm Sean. <laughs> and we we talk twice a week. We talk about... We only talk twice a week. <laughs> we only talk to each other twice a week. And it's in the comfort of our own home in a microphone. Today it's in the basement. We are in the basement today because I ran the dishwasher not knowing we were going to record. And that's loud. It's pretty loud. So now we're in the basement. Which has which is a good uh, acoustic area, I think. It can be improved. But yeah. <laughs> As he looks at the walls, I, I can put institutional padding on these walls. Well, I wanted to pad the the, the bedroom, the, the bedroom down yeah. and make a studio. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we start making our Patreon money. I'm just kidding. We're never going to do that because no one would ever pay. <laughs> because no one even listens. Hey, you got to have listeners to do that. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> yes, welcome. It's October Spooky Month, where we highlight all of, not all of, most of the scary movies that we own. And today, we are talking about the 1960 horror classic, Psycho. 1960. I'm like, what is this? was this movie, like, technically innovative, or was it just in the storytelling? Well, I mean, it depends on when you ask that question. In 1960, did people think so? Probably not. But we've had, you know, whatever, 50, 60 almost, whatever year it is. I don't know what year it is. 59 years. We've had 60 years to study this movie and nitpick it to death. I mean, and it's an acclaimed movie. It's an AFI movie. It's number 14. Is it? So, I mean, it's, I mean, and the... The storytelling is good. Yeah, it's based it's on uh, a 1959 novel. So, Oh, wow. Wasted no time. Wasted no time. Uh, written by Robert Bloch, B-L-O-C-H. Mm. Uh, 1959 novel of the same name, which was loosely inspired by the case of um, Ed Gein. You know that Wisconsin mm-hmm. serial mm-hmm. killer. Um, grave robber, whatever. Gross. And uh, Hitchcock liked the book, and he he bought the rights for about. I've read nine thousand. This says ninety five hundred. So we'll say that. He, so somewhere between eight and ten thousand dollars. <laughs> um, he bought the rights, and then he reportedly ordered. Says Robertson. I think it's Jack Robertson or John Robertson, his other guy, to buy all the copies that existed. Wait, what? 
Because you don't want anyone to know. Oh, to know the story? How the, what happens. He. That's so weird. But it's so smart. And the marketing for this movie was so smart and kept, I mean, you, it was easier to keep things in the dark back in 1960, but he's like, I don't want, because so really that book came out and didn't even get to come out, really. Like it may have made a like a bestsellers list, but it was only because two people were buying it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They bought all the books. That's crazy. Um, and Paramount did not want Hitchcock to make this movie. They didn't want him to make it, or they didn't want him to make this movie. They didn't want him to make Psycho. Yeah, they said okay. it was too repulsive. <clears throat> Not that and we don't want you to make it. We want quote, someone else. Impossible for films. He's like, well, oh, challenge little... accepted, yeah. basically. Um, but so he didn't get any money for this movie hmm. because Paramount's like, no. Um, so to uh, so where did the movie money come from? Well, he used the crew from the Albert Hitchcock Presents mm-hmm. show. He took all of them because he didn't have to hire anyone outside. He's like, you already work for me. I'm not going to pay you anything, basically. Oh, because so they're, the, they're just salary guys working for... Mostly, yeah. In a studio. So just, he took okay. the cinematographer, set designer, script supervisor, first assistant director. Um, Bernard Herman was a regular collaborator with his mm-hmm. previous movies. Um George Tomasini, the editor, Saul Bass for the title design, which had done, you know, he did Vertigo, very famous title mm-hmm. design for Vertigo, um, and storyboarding, specifically for the shower scene. Saul Bass did the storyboards for the shower scene. You can probably find those pic- those pictures online. I'm okay. sure I can picture what they look like. So, in total, his crew cost $62,000, <laughs> which oh. is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's really nothing. The entire crew. Huh. And to keep it, to keep the budget under $1 million, he's like, oh, I'm going to film this in black and white. Oh, Which so. Is how we get the black and white film. This is only, not his only, but, you know, Vertigo is in color, very in color. The colors of Vertigo are very vivid. North by Northwest. I mean, he'd done all these color movies and then oh, yeah. suddenly everyone's like, we don't think you should make this movie. We want something big like North by Northwest. We want you to make that a we want you to make that movie again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, well, fuck you. I'm making this for under a million and it's going to be in black and white. I mean, he was like the original, like, middle finger. I'm going to do what I want. So, I mean, I guess it wasn't like a big deal that there's another black and white movie, though. Because it was still like, oh, some movies are still black and white, summer color or. Oh, yeah, in 1960, yeah. Because it would it be like, oh, there's a movie that's black and white, like how we are today. Like, oh, look, the artist. Or Schindler's, Schindler's List. List. Yeah, I mean, those are specific reasons why they're in black and white. But I but mean... He did it just to keep it cheap. And did people... Th- so I they, don't know how people reacted to were that. Were they like, and, why is it in black and white? Or were they like, oh yeah, it's just a black and white movie. It's just a movie. They probably were why, because they wanted him to recreate uh, North by Northwest, because it was such a big hit. Well, I'm trying to think how the audiences would react to seeing like... They probably thought it was weird, because we're in this time where we're moving where out of black and white. Where everyone's doing color. Yeah, we're kind of moving out. I mean, there were still some being made, you know. But I figure if you... If but in 1960, it's like... If you lived most of your life... Technicolor is where it's at. If you've lived most of your life and everything you saw, like, visually, like, I mean, like, media-wise is black and white, and then color comes around, like, oh, that's new. But then you see something 
knew that's in black and white, you're not like shocked. You're like, oh yeah, this is how it was. You know, blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Would it be a Would it be a big deal though? I mean, I it's, if you're uh, just seeing the the big movies at the time, you know, you have Lawrence of Arabia and. Mm, yeah. uh, better. I mean, all these epics—they're all—they're all using Technicolor and they're mm-hmm. big. And then suddenly you see this back to black and white. I, mean, I, I could see back in 1960, people were like, "Well, this is a step backwards." Mm, yeah, it's not an art. They probably weren't thinking artistic choice. thing you know, it's—I don't know. But this movie wouldn't be the same if it was in color. No, I don't think it would. No. Um, it just. The black and the simplicity of the black and white, the simplicity of the all string orchestra, which also kept costs down. It's all strings. You don't hear a single other instrument. It and it does. It's smart because it does add like the tension too. Yeah. Because it is very. It does get very grating after a while to just listen to very screechy strings. Well, and there's some beautiful and, moments and there's, too. There is, yeah. And it, well, and you know the opening theme, the. Dun, 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 dun. The opening thing was... I'll sing while you drink. <laughs> that, that whole opening thing... I'm like, hurry up and end these because it's hurting my head. What? The the opening titles. Oh, the, the, the Saul Bass stuff? Yeah. Or? Like, oh, this it was needs hurting to your eyeballs? Every, all of it. The music. Really? I'm like, this has to stop. Please, wow. let's get to the you movie. Just, you felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, that's a well, I know. purpose. Well, I know. I'm like, okay, fine. You've made your point. Let's get on. <laughs> oh, God. And here I'm all dancing to the music. <laughs> like, let's go. Let's get, this go. <laughs> let's get out of this room, please. Um. Yeah. It'd be like listening to Kristen Shaw's horse. Like, fine. I get oh it. Oh, my God. No, I not get even it. close. I get it. Let's move on, please. So, originally, the, the score wasn't the all-string orchestra. It was actually a jazz score. Ooh, weird. Okay, that's you know, A lot weird. of the crime movies, they have like a jazz score. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 I um, get it. I mean, I get it, but. Yeah. So, as it said, um, Herman used the lower music budget to his, to his advantage by writing for a string orchestra rather than a full symphonic ensemble. Um and said so he thought the ang- the single tone color of the all string soundtrack as a way of reflecting the black and white cinematography of the film. So, and after Hitchcock heard it, he said, because originally Hitchcock he didn't like the finished movie mm-hmm. pre score. Oh, uh huh. And then Herman's like, well, here's my score here, put it in, so you think. And Hitchcock's like, oh, okay, now this is a good movie. Now it'll be a hit. And he said thirty-three mm. percent uh, of the effect of Psycho was due to the music, which is I get evident yeah. in your in, the in just the opening, <laughs> with the the black and white lines moving across, and yeah, so this movie, it's uh, well, I mean, we just watched it a few a couple hours ago. We and watched like, it and we had dinner, and then we came down here. And and like, let's record, let's jam this one out. Um, this is a it, watching it again. It hasn't been too long since I've last seen it. I've watched this one more than I have, say, you know, From Hell and Donnie Darko. All the other, more often you know. or more recently? Um, More recently, I should mm. say. Well, more often, too. Because I've only seen Donnie Darko twice, maybe. And okay. then I've definitely seen Psycho. 
a little bit more. But I feel like I just watched Psycho like a year ago. But I certainly haven't watched it more recently, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just as good as I remember. I, I've, I, it's the first time I've seen it with more... I have more Hitchcock in my repertoire now. More cinematographic... Nope. I've seen more of his movies. More cinematic knowledge. Now. Than originally. Like, before when I'd watch Psycho, it was really... Psycho was the only one I had seen. And Rebecca. Um, I hadn't seen... And I'd seen most of North by Northwest. But I hadn't seen Vertigo or The Birds. And we I've seen those... Pretty you, recently. We just watched The Birds. Uh, Over the summer. I don't know. A few months ago. I think, was that my first time seeing The Birds? It was, because you didn't know what it was about. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. Like, it's about birds, and there's no music score in it. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen... And you said you didn't see Vertigo, which I... I've not seen Vertigo. And I don't know that I've seen all of North by Northwest. South by Southwest? No, that's the that's festival. That's the festival. North by Northwest. <laughs> And it's a direction that doesn't exist. North by Northwest? Yeah. North by... I mean, it, it does, but it's not... It's not a thing. It's not a thing. What does the title mean? I don't know. He even... They didn't know back then. It was more like a working title, and they just kept it. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Weird. Psycho, um, that definitely has a meaning. <laughs> yes. It's It's definitely relevant to the movie. To the movie. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we open this movie. movie we meet uh, Marion Crane, played by Janet Lee. We see she's having, we can tell right away she's having an illicit affair. Well, They're not they, supposed to be together. Well, they say affair. They in a hotel room. Well, and they say it, too, in the narration. But, yeah. I mean, it. no exposition needed. It's kind of, he needs money. 1960s Janet Lee is hot. Well, Sure. All of Hitchcock's ladies were nice looking. Because he was a perv. He was he a dirty. He liked his blonde ladies. He was one, and we also he wasn't know, nice to any of them. He, we now know he would be definitely involved in the Me Too scandals. <laughs> he will, yeah. He didn't treat his women very. He didn't treat most people nice nicely. Um, I know he was doing it to get a good performance out of them. Whatever. No. But yeah, Janet Lee, mother of Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. If for some reason you don't know. Um, she was the star of this movie. That's, you know, you, in 1960, you, that was your main character. She has a good voice. Like, it's very. 1960s. It's like a husky voice. It's husky. So is, so was, uh, mm-hmm. who else? We talked about her voice and it sounded husky. Yeah. Um, it, was, it wasn't Catherine Hepburn, darling. I don't fucking remember anymore. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. My brain doesn't work. But so we see Marion and Sam <laughs> Loomis. Um, what, did, what did Hitchcock call So Hitchcock wasn't thrilled with uh, Sam Loomis. I forgot who the actor was. Uh, John Gavin. Was he just hired just because he was a good looking guy? Yeah, maybe. Because he's a very handsome man. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I can see, but Hitchcock wasn't thrilled with his performance, so he would just call him the stiff on set. Hey, w- someone go get the stiff. <laughs> I, I do see where that criticism comes from. Yeah, but if that's the case, then hire someone else. You know, they didn't have time. But I mean, he was fine. Yeah, whatever. It, he's not. It's not if if that performance had been 
Norman Bates, he'd be like, "Okay, you're out of here." Yeah, if he had he a bigger the focus. if he had a bigger role, then it'd be distracting. He was just filler. Yeah. She needed to have an affair with someone, and she needed someone to go look for her. But um, yeah, he it's he needs money, right? I don't think he even needs money. She's just like. He's talking about alimony. Well, because he has the, to. Be, he's he's saying he, that if if her if him and Janet Lee get together. You know, she's gonna be living like kind of a poor life because yeah, in the back of a hardware he's gonna be, house or whatever. He he's gonna be, you know, a working, you know, just mm-hmm. check, you know, hand to mouth. And she works at a real estate office. She's like a secretary. She's one of two secretaries. One of two secretaries. <laughs> Doesn't look like it's a very hopping place. Phoenix, you know, in the afternoon, it's probably two billion <laughs> degrees. That's the weirdest office. He's walking into two desks <laughs> and then the owner's office. But she, uh, you know, she takes an extended lunch break with uh, Sam. Then she goes back to work and a money-wielding guy comes in. He's buy a house with cash. He's a pervy guy. Flashy guy. Flashy. Got a he, cowboy hat. He's probably from Texas. He's like a flashy Texan. Yeah. Ugh. And she's kind of like going with it, like eh, just humoring him. And he has $40,000. He's going to buy this place in cash. And mm-hmm. you know, the owner's like, I feel nervous. Will you take this to the bank? Put it in the bank right away. They'll give us a check on Monday. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, okay, well, I have a headache, so I'm going to take this to the bank. She She sounds just like that. Okay. And then I'm going to go home and sleep because she has a headache. But in her head, suddenly she's like, you know what? Here's my chance. I'm going to take this motherfucking money. We don't really know why. Or she makes that decision so quickly because it's not like she's stewing over this for days. Like she sees it and is like, oh, well, here's my one shot. Yeah. And she cue the Eminem music. (laughs) that no <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, here's here's this opportunity yeah out of and the blue suddenly we're like she so like spur of the moment not quite the character we thought she was yes she was having an affair but now she's a criminal i mean and it's she's an having choice well she's having is, an affair with a guy who's in the middle of getting a divorce yeah so we're kind of like well I mean, she's not that bad of a person i mean yeah and then suddenly we're like oh she's not gonna do what I think she's gonna do. Well, then we see her back at her house. She's hastily packing a giant ass suitcase, and it's very on purpose. When uh, when we first meet her in the hotel room, you know she's getting dressed. Her bra, she was in a bra, and this was very, very. The censors did not like this, but her bra is white. Her purse is white. Her clothes are white. When she's back at her house, getting ready to skedaddle with the money, black bra, mm-hmm. black clothes, black purse. That was very on purpose. Because oh. he so now she puts on her black hat. Yeah, she so becomes the, she's, uh, the she's villain. She's an angel, and now she's a devil. Ooh. She's a devil in disguise. Nope. <laughs> so yeah, she packs up her stuff. She has this envelope that the sound gives me the willies. The sound you do have the, that misophonia thing. That there. crinkling of that envelope. That hmm? is something that has always stood out to me. Really? I don't know why, but every, I was like, God, stop, leave it. Just stick it in your purse and leave it there. It's like old-timey paper, too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so she folds the envelope into her purse loudly <laughs> and then grabs her suitcase and then takes off in her car with the Arizona plates. And she's driving. She gets sleepy. I forget what kind of car she has. I think it's I- the same kind that Lee- Lever Cleaver, his mom. <laughs> Beverly Cleaver. What's his name? Leave it to Beaver Cleaver. I mean, it looks like an Edsel. It's the but... same one that they drove. Oh, really? I don't know. It's in there. I didn't write it down, though. Okay. But she pulls over. She's tired. She pulls over and falls asleep. 
fall asleep for like the whole entire night, which I don't know how you could sleep in your car <laughs> drooped over in the passenger seat. But <laughs> she looks like she just slumps over. <laughs> I know. But uh, cop finds her the next morning. He's not a very friendly guy, and he's instantly suspicious for because, some, because she's a terrible liar. Because we realize the people in this movie are horrible liars. I know it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable because it really does. Listening to her, like, I don't know why you think there's something wrong. I'm just in a hurry. Can I please go? We're like, oh, my God, you're making me so nervous because you're so fucking guilty. Like, Jesus, lady, just relax. I'm like, can't she just laugh and give him a smile and a cool wink? and Show him your black bra. God, she makes me so uncomfortable because, I don't know. And I know that's on purpose, too. I'm sure. I'm, sure, like, she's okay. a, I'm sure she's a better actor. She's than probably that. a better liar than what she appears to be. But he's like, okay, well, can I see your license? Because you look a little weird. She's like, why? I didn't do anything wrong, did I? I didn't break any laws, did I? So just give me your fucking license. So she gives it to him and she crunkles. She has to remove the entire envelope from her purse to get her license. Her, her pouch of important documents. And that paper's making that noise. <laughs> she gets her, yeah, her... Her, pink her, her expandable file. Her expandable <laughs> file that fits in her tiny little black purse. Um, so he takes license, looks at her plates, looks at the horses, and gets her, and then she's free to go, but he follows her. Well, and it's weird because... And it, the music what is What does nervous. looking at her license plate and license do? Because... It's not meant He doesn't to. make a phone call to run match. any kind of plate or anything. I mean, he's just like, he's just, Okay. That's what they did in the 60s. It's not like your license plate is on your license. I know. It's not like it doesn't have whatever. He just, you know, trying to make her nervous, which obviously she is. She's not hiding that. So she speeds off. He's following her. And she's like, ah. and we're all nervous. Like, oh, my God, he's still there. And then, and then he takes the exit to Gorman. He gets to see the exit to Gorman and he takes that. I'm like, oh, well, he's going to Gorman, which California. Is a terrible place. There's sure. nothing there. Well, maybe there's his- still nothing there. There was nothing there in the 60s. There's nothing there now. <laughs> so then she gets off a few exits later. or I don't know when she gets off. Because. We don't really know where the Bates Motel is, right? It's an hour or less from Fairvale. <laughs> well, it's like. It's, it's like 15 like miles Central away. Because he's like, oh yeah, it's 15 miles away. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's Central California. So she's probably. So she's probably in like. Santa Barbara. <laughs> well, she's more inland, I think. Gorman's more inland. Yeah. Well, she's close so, to there. Well, she's by Solvang. Because the cop that took a, the, the Gorman He's exit, instantly at the... He's instantly at the car place at that the she car goes dealership. to. So she very nonchalantly is like, I need to trade in my car right now. Well, unless he just gets off at Gorman exit and then gets right back on That's the highway. That's what he did. He told us so, so she's probably in Santa Barbara somewhere. She's in Solvang. Oh, God. We see a little... Getting some cookies. Getting some cookies. We see the little uh, windmill in the background. No, um. so she's at this car place because she wants to trade in her car. Obviously. Cop found her with the car. She's like, well, I can't drive this car anymore because I have $40,000 I'm stealing. So she very nervously... Makes <sighs> a hasty deal. Yeah. He's like, you don't want to think it over. I mean, he's a nice guy. For he's, her you know, car plus 700 She turned down coffee with a bunch of like... Yeah. Bitch, you never turned down coffee whatever turns down the coffee and um i just want this this car is fine i like this these license plates she looks at the license plates like i'm like are you looking at specific letter combinations she finds one that she likes she's like I think here she's making sure it just says california okay I, mean, sure. I thought they all did well i know but i mean 
there's a chance that some wouldn't, so. Um, and she's like, okay, well, well, let's, I'm in a hurry. What, what, what is it going to be? He's like, your car plus $700. And she's like, she's about to say something. He's like, oh, well, now you have time to argue money. She's like, okay, fine. He's like all shocked that she didn't even question. Try to, try to haggle. Which he probably was like thinking, well, I should have said like a thousand or something much higher. So she gets, she gives him the car and 700, she counts out, goes to the ladies room, gets her pink slip and counts out $700 from her stash from the noisy envelope. In the cleanest gas station bathroom. She doesn't lock it or anything. I'm like, crazy <laughs> lady, do you not see your daughter's movies? Never go into a restroom without locking it. Anyways. Um, yeah, so she gets gives him money, the car. He's like, go on, we can look at the car, make sure it all works. She's like, no, thank you, goodbye. Take it for a test drive. Meanwhile, yeah, the cop that had pulled her over, he's at the station. And he's just watching her. And she's like, I'm like, be cool, chick. Be cool. And she's so not cool. <laughs> Drives me nuts. But I know it's just meant to, because it, it makes me feel super uncomfortable how nervous she's being. You know, it's just part of the tone. We're like, yeah. oh my gosh, she's got to get her ass out of there because she's not. Because she's not like a, a professional criminal. Oh, she's definitely not. You know, I should. Yeah, I mean that. I shouldn't complain because, yeah, she's. This is the first time she's done anything, outside of an affair, really, that we know of. Well, I don't know. So she hurries up and she almost forgets her luggage. They're like, ma'am, oh, and they're yeah. carrying her luggage. She's like, just put it in there, please, please. I'm like, oh my god, and she drives off. Probably rather quickly. Hmm. And the cops just like. And here's where we get an interesting uh, decision made by Hitchcock and his people. And actually, this was Bernard Herrmann's idea. Um, instead of just music and her driving, and instead of showing what's going on back in Phoenix. Yeah, instead of cutting back to anything. Uh, we get some exposition in her head of the conversations that are going on back in Phoenix. But is it in her head or are we just hearing... We're just hearing it, but it looks like it's in her head. But I mean, she's not, she can't hear it. It's I mean, not a supernatural. I know, I mean, but she's not, we're not meant to think that she's imagining like, these conversations. She might be. I kind of was thinking that. It's either, because I mean, it, it can't be both. It has to either be yeah. what actually happens. And I think we it's are what actually it. happens because it, it's, it sounds more realistic. Yeah. And they bring in her sister, which, you yeah. know, we know who's involved in. But, but I thought it was an interesting decision. It was actually Bernard Herman's idea. He's like, well, just do this. And he's like, that's a good idea. Mm hmm. So it cuts down a lot Instead of filming more scenes oh, and shit. Kind of go yeah. back and see the people in Phoenix that we don't care about. We just want to get, we just want to watch Marion and see what she's going to do with this money mm -hmm. and this new car. Um, So yeah, it just turns out, you know, they're all like, where's, where's Marion? No one can find her. She didn't show up to work. The bank hasn't the gotten bank the money. never saw the money. Sister doesn't know where she is. So they're all concerned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's like, well, she's worked for me for 10 years and. I just don't want to think that she did that. Well, and then you hear the cop talking to the car dealer guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's... You're yeah, basically it's, finding out... You're basically getting everything that's going on. In like 30 seconds. So, I mean... And you're watching her drive and get... Not sleepy. It's raining. And it's motherfucking rain. I'm so glad. Well, I mean, with all that, all that exposition, though, we realize that people are on to her now. They know something's up. It's like because... When we when the when those conversations kind of wind down, you see her kind of smile to herself, like I'm getting away with this. Mm -hmm. She just kind of it kind of hits her, like you know what? I think I might mm -hmm. get away with this. She has like that kind of sly little smile on her face, which is when you kind of like, or is it even just a, a smile like relief? I think it means both. You know? I mean, she's relieved because she realizes that 
she got the car. She did something naughty, and she, she still got has the money. Yeah, <clears throat> which she's not a very nice person. Yeah, but she's still our star. She's still the main character. She's mm-hmm. still the the one that people are still empathizing with. At I mean, this point, I think we're like, oh, I'm glad she got away with it. You know? Yeah, it's one of those like rare occurrences where you're like rooting for rooting for the bad guy, rooting for Tom Ripley. Okay. That's I always compare it to that situation. Why? Because that's the first movie that made me realize that was a masterclass in getting you to empathize with the villain. Yeah, are we supposed to in Mr. Ripley? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, when we watch again, you'll still you'll see. Okay. Best movie of nineteen ninety nine. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it starts to rain. She can't see shit. There's an uh, insane amount of rain. There's, I mean, someone's just shooting rain at that fake windshield. She's got her wipers on, her little cheap 1959 wipers. Um, cars are coming at her because it's one of those bad roads <laughs> where it's like one lane. <laughs> My worst nightmare. God. Then she sees a sign in the distance. What does it say? Howard Johnson to the left. Howard Johnson. <laughs> It says Bates Motel. She's like, oh, you know what? I need to just pull over, spend one night here with my crinkly envelope and... Sit the rain out. And... Sit out. <clears throat> Whatever. It's off the beaten path. No one will... No one... Yeah. No one will find her. Whatever. And so she goes to the Bates Motel and we meet our other hero. Well, basically, she gets to like an empty motel. Yeah. She can't find the... The innkeeper, the yeah. motel guy, the motel manager. <laughs> the, yeah. The innkeeper. The innkeeper. Well, that's what he is. She honks her horn and we see a, someone coming running down from the house up on the hill. Mm-hmm. And it's a lanky, skinny Anthony Perkins. Which, yes. Did he have a, much of a career after this movie, though? Uh, no, this plagued him his entire life. Right. I mean, he did Psycho 2. Mm, yeah. But he was typecast, and this he never let this roll down. Which, you know, you take it out as you either embrace it or you Wait, let he it never get to you. Let, he, he never let it down or he never lived it down? I don't know. What are you trying to say? I don't know. Um, yeah, Anthony Perkins. So the character of Norman Bates in Robert Block's book was like a short, fat, balding, kind of eh guy. Uh, probably similar to Ed Gein. Um, but our Norman Bates in our movie is a young, handsome, if not a little awkward once he starts talking. Uh, complete opposite. He's uh, a guy that you immediately feel like you can trust. He looks like a a school teacher. Sure. Like a newbie. Like an art teacher or something, <laughs> um, or even like a like a like an English teacher. An English teacher. Um, but yeah, and he's like, "Well, here's a room, cabin one. Uh, if you're hungry, I can make you milk and sandwich." Which both of us at the same same time were like, "Oh." <laughs> or no, because he, he invites her to have dinner with him because he was about to oh, sit uh, down for up at the house sandwiches and milk. <laughs> We see, you know, the the Psycho House is what it's known as, which if you've been to Universal Studios, you've seen both the Bates Motel and the Psycho House. The Psycho House is the original. Bates Motel is actually a replica, but still fun to see. Because, yeah, that motel at Universal Studios, it's it's almost like a more modern, like, 
stuccoed motel. Well, the one in the movie is like an L shape. And I think the one in Universal Studios is just one. And it's all wood. I mean, it's all like. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Anyways. But yeah. He's it like looks gonna... cabiny. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to have uh, to sit down, have dinner <laughs> at the scary house. I can make you a milk and sandwich if you're hungry. She's like, well, that would be nice. <laughs> whatever. She must be hungry. I mean, whatever. Or she's like, that sounds horrible, but to placate you, almost say yes. You seem lonely. Okay. So, you know, they have dinner, in air quotes. And they're talking about, you know, she notices he has this uh, Well, stuff. she hears him arguing with his mother. Oh, does she? Yeah. This is why he comes down with the milk and sandwich. Oh, yeah. She's like, what was all that? It's like, oh, you've gotten yourself into some trouble or something. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, it's just mother. <laughs> oh. <laughs> mother. Oh, God. Mother. Yes. But yeah, they talk about his bird collection. He stuffs birds. As a hobby. As a hobby. But can you call it a hobby when uh, it's supposed to... What's it say? It's not supposed to... It's supposed to... In your free time, something you're supposed to do in your free time. It's not supposed to fill up your time or oh, something. So, yeah, something like that. She's like, well, every man should have a hobby. Blah. And they talk about some personal stuff. His dad died when he was five. It's just been him and his mother. Boy, his mother is his best friend. We get that famous line, whatever that is. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Creepy shit. But if you're watching this in 1960 or for the first time and you don't know what happens, you're just like, oh, he's just kind of a, a loner. One, he says like his mother's like Ill an invalid. An invalid and kind he, of stutters. She can't. Invalid. She needs someone to take care of her. Yeah. They, so we're like, oh, him, so he's so. just, you know, a loner who lives with his mom. Someone's got to take care of her and kind of feel sorry for him, you know. But you're not thinking anything else. You're not like, oh, well, he seems like a weirdo. <clears throat> he just seems like awkward around girls. Yeah, which you think, well, if he is a loner, then yeah, he probably doesn't have contact with anyone. So, but you're not thinking really anything out of the ordinary. But uh, she eats and goes back turns to her room, in, mm-hmm. and he decides to look in the peephole, which is when you're like, oh, well, oh, he's a little pervy. He's a little peeping tom. Maybe he's not so normal. Yeah. But he has a little hole, which is why he has a little hole. Uh, Cabin one is attached to his office. So I'm sure all the. All the pretty single ladies get his room. They get cabin one. So he's looking at her and she she just puts a robe on. Well, we see he sees her get undressed because she's. We see her in her underwear. Then it cuts back to him. And then in the UK, they showed that scene in whole. There was no cutting. They showed her take her bra off. From the back. So you see like a bareback. You see the black bra come off from mm-hmm. the bareback. They took that out of the US version. It's in the UK one. I don't know. I read that somewhere. Yeah, but anyway, well, she puts a little robe on and then he's like, oh, well, okay. Now she's just writing a letter. He's like, well, this is boring. He's got to go get ready. <laughs> and it comes to one of the most famous scenes in movie history, I think. You you don't have to know what this movie is or hear, but but if you say, oh, it's like the shower scene in Psycho, you know what that is. You don't have to see it. When did you first... So, okay. I had a, a class in high school. It was like a media class. Mm-hmm. Media studies, which is a really weird class to have in my tiny little weird ass high school. 
but we talked about media. Okay. <laughs> and we hence watched. The, hence the name of this yeah. And we watched a documentary about the shower scene. Okay. Um, not the same one that I saw on Hulu. This one was about the eye. Uh-huh. I don't know. And that was my first exposure to that scene because I'd never seen the movie. Okay. Um, but for some reason, if you're new to this planet and you don't know what the shower scene is, uh, Marion goes to the shower and she is enjoying the hot water. She is what Hitchcock said, washing away her sins. Now, is she planning on going back to Phoenix to? I thought she was still on her way to Fairvale to give Sam the money. And she was, they were going to go off together. I didn't think she had plans to come go back to Phoenix. I thought she was going to... Hmm. I don't know. Because doesn't she... I mean, because she even tells Norman Bates that she's going to... She has a long drive back to Phoenix. Well, she's not going to tell him what she's really doing. But she told him she was from L.A. That's a lie. I don't know. Because it's in her... She... Because she lets slip her real name, her last name. Oh, does she? And that she's from Phoenix, even though she wrote... Marie Samuels. Yeah. Samuelson? Samuels. Samuels. And Los Angeles as name in her town. I don't know. I don't know. So I thought the irony was that she was actually going to go back and turn everything back in and try to make amends. Maybe. We'll never know. I don't know. Because she ain't around anymore, is she? So, yeah. She gets in the shower, washing away her sins. The first time we see her actually relaxed and smiling to herself, you know, we see her like, oh, you know what? Maybe she, because yeah, that would make sense if she decided that this wasn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe she's come to realize, you know what? I'm just going to go back, turn it in, and my life will be normal again. Because that's why she's doing the math is to see how much. Yeah, she, she needs writes to, like, down how much seven hundred. She subtracts seven hundred from forty thousand. I'm like, really? Even I could figure that one out. <laughs> anyway. Um, but then we see her, she's on the right side of the screen. It's a wide shot. You see her and you see just the shower curtain. What are you going to show me? He's showing me something on his phone. Maybe. Marion decides to drive back to, oh, after hearing Norman's story to return the money, you're tipping over. Okay. Yeah. I read it. The first sentence. Okay. So she does plan on. Yeah. So, yeah, that would make sense for her nice shower and the washing away of the mm-hmm. all the bad shit. The affair, the money, the car, what have you. Um, but Norman has other plans. Or Norman's mother. Hmm. Suddenly the curtain flies open, shower curtain flies open, and we hear... Well, we see the door open through the shower yeah, curtain. Yeah, and that's freaky And you shit. see the... Like the like a silhouette, silhouette almost of someone of the person walking in, and then you see the shower curtain open. And all you see is shadow. You don't see who the person is. It's like a black. It's like she's backlit. So you, yeah, you can't which she probably the... was. Which yeah. And then With you the see, knife. And then you see some shots from above. Yeah, but yeah. it's mostly the knife. All you can you see, see is knife and Marion screaming. screaming, but you don't see any of her bits. They did a very, the cuts were there's so what was the. What was the name of that documentary? 7856? I don't know. There's a couple of shots where it's like 
she's out of focus and you can see parts of her body like her of her you can see her chest and stuff but it's so out of focus i think it's even just well 7852 that was the um like there's a shot from above of like the hand and the knife coming down and she's you see her top of her head and she's obviously nude but she has her arm across her chest yeah yeah and you catch a little bit of like what would be boob i think we see side but but it's like so like soft focused Mm-hmm. That you keep, there's no detail. It's just because vague shape almost. It's, it's seventy-eight shots and fifty-two cuts. Is what? It, is yeah. that the documentary That's what the thing? documentary is called. Seventy-eight fifty-two, and all it is is about the filming of the shower scene. It's on Hulu. I highly recommend watching. It's very interesting. But to think that there are fifty-two cuts in fucking twenty seconds of film, really sounds like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any cuts. Wallace. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's and originally there wasn't supposed to be any music during that scene. It was just going to be the sound that would be horrifying. Of the cassava melon uh-huh. getting stabbed, which is what they used. Sounds and they used uh, Bosco chocolate syrup for the blood, which apparently has a more realistic density than stage blood. Now, next time you put some chocolate sauce on your ice cream, just think. But, um, they still make Bosco. I've never seen it. I think. This is where they thought that he used bird screeches. Oh. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack of screeching violins, violas, and cellos was an original all-strings piece by composer Bernard Herrmann titled The Murder. Hitchcock originally intended to have no music for the sequence, uh, but Herman insisted he try his composition. After uh, Hitchcock saw that scene with the music, he agreed it vastly intensified the scene and nearly doubled Herman's salary. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, well-deserved. So it says, it's often claimed that despite its graphic nature, the shower scene never once shows a knife puncturing the flesh. Oh, yeah, I I remember that was the thing. Oh, yeah, Bosco. I recognize the blue and the red words, letters. Um, However, if you do a frame-by-frame analysis of the sequence, there's one shot that looks like the knife penetrates her abdomen, which you do see. You see a knife, but um, the effect may have been created by lighting and reverse motion. Hmm. So. There's, I mean, there's a couple of shots where you see, like, the knife is obviously right in front of her. Like it comes right, right like, down, and right it's across, just yeah. you see the whole blade still. And it's in front of her, well, and that's a stab. But <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Janet Lee was so affected by this scene after she actually she saw it. Couldn't take showers. She took. She never took a shower again. She took baths the rest of her life. She would lock. Um, well, she if she had to take a shower, like if there was, like if she's in a hotel, she would lock the bathroom door. <laughs> she would lock all the doors and the windows. Um, would leave the bathroom and shower door open. So she could, oh, so she could see someone yeah. coming in. If they, what and still, what are you gonna do? <laughs> she never realized until she first first watched the film how vulnerable and defenseless that women are. Oh, like in a shower. Yeah, which is why I hate closing. I'm always afraid to close my eyes because when I open them, there's gonna be a spider. <laughs> it's that scene from Arachnophobia, the shower scene. 
which is right up there in terms of shower scenes the one from arachnophobia her eyes are closed and there's <laughs> i can't i can't i can't i showed kira that scene and i was like look no you have to because i scream every time oh, god i wish you owned that movie because i fucking love that movie anyway so yeah that scene is a big deal in mm-hmm. the world it, i get it. it scared the shit out of people watching the movie because suddenly not only do we see a scary ass scene but our main character is dead mm-hmm. halfway through the movie and that never happens that that's supposed to happen they they made a big deal about that always i mean yeah like which you don't is, kill off your main character which is why the movie scream um was so heavily influenced by psycho obviously because it starts off with drew barrymore who's super famous mm-hmm. And she dies within 15 minutes of the beginning. It's so good. It, it's genius. And the fact that Hitchcock killed off Janet Lee, like mm-hmm. 30 minutes into the movie is genius. Or however long she wasn't in the movie that long. Maybe 40 minutes. Um, so the audience is probably like, what the fuck? That, that wasn't, that wasn't supposed to happen. So now what happened? Now, now you're thinking now what happens? Because yeah, we're just, the movie's not over. And, and they're thinking there's a crazy lady on the loose. Or we're thinking, I think then after the murder well, I think happens, you, think you hear, you, the, it pans to the, the psycho house, and you hear you Norman, hear Norman yelling, oh, God, mom. mother, blood, blood. Mother, oh, God, mother, blood, blood. Um, and you see Norman come running out to the, mm-hmm. the, um, to the motel into cabin number one, and he goes to the shower, and he's freaking out. And at this point, you're like, oh, his mom is crazy. His yeah. mom just killed someone. And we think, oh, we, she hasn't done this. She's done this before because he kind of knows exactly what to He's do. Like, oh, God. He's like, like, not again. So he takes that shower curtain, wraps up the body. We should talk quickly how he finds or how um, she lands, how she dies, really. Oh. It's very iconic as well. She slides down the bathroom wall and she, you see her hold her. She reaches her right out. arm out, yeah. grabs the shower curtain, and you see it clink, 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 fall, and then she falls like head first over the over the wall. Of the it's tub. much more in the in the nineteen ninety eight remake. Uh-huh. I've seen that shower scene. It's a little bit more graphic. They show a little bit more. Okay, and actually show her from the top, like the cameras above the shower and the bath, uh-huh. and they show Anne Heche flopping over actually onto the floor oh really yeah it's kind of weird kind of jarring because you're like oh okay but here we we see we know that she falls Mm -hmm. and then we see all the chocolate sauce going into the drain and the drain is spinning (laughs) the world's world's largest bath it's a big drain drain. and the camera's kind of going into the drain and then suddenly it pans out and the drain has turned into the pupil of her eye Mm -hmm. and it's a slow slow move out and that's her the entire time not blinking like that scene they had to reshoot many times because, because she would move or she, she would blink because there's water spraying uh-huh. the water is still going water would get nine she would blink the guy shooting that scene um what do you say because he has to like manually focus the uh-huh. camera while it's moving so that was difficult because it's such a, a slow long pull out and she's there, her face is like smushed into the. Yeah. <laughs> her like nose is like. Urgh. Onto a bathroom. I mean, it's floor. not grass. You don't see any blood. It's not. Oh. It's not like it's from hell, corpse. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not messy. 
She's just laying there and her eyes wide open. And that's when he comes and he finds the body and he wraps it up in the shower curtain. Mops up and... Mops it all up, cleans up, um, takes the body out, puts it in the trunk of his car, or her car, Mm -hmm. yep. Takes it to his little swamp in the back. Gets all her (laughs) shit. Gets anything she ever touched. Yeah, anything she touched, anything she, of her possessions, gone from cabin one into the car. Drives out to his little forty thousand dollars in the newspaper. Grabs that. Yep. Throws that in the yeah, because she had read. She thankfully thrown away that crinkly ass envelope. Put it in a newspaper, an L.A. Times newspaper. He takes the car, puts it in, he uh, sinks it into the swamp. There it goes. Blub, looks like tar. I don't know. It's just mud. I know, but it looks like tar. It's very slow moving. It's just Bosco. That's, <laughs> that's where they get their. That's where they get their, their blood. sauce. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's covered that up, and then. We cut to Loomis's hardware store. Yeah, and he's like, where is she? And then his sister shows up. Her, her ship. Her sister. Her sister. Sh- her ship, sister. Played by Vera Miles, who I had to look up. I'm like, what do I know her from? What do you know her from? I think it was just um, nothing I've really Documentaries seen. Documentaries of Psycho. Nothing I've really seen, but I know that she was supposed to be in Vertigo as Kim Novak's character, but she got pregnant. Oh. And so she got fired. Mm-hmm. And, or I say fired. She couldn't do the movie. And so she probably got fired. Hitchcock hired her for this, but kind of punished her for dropping out of Vertigo for getting pregnant and gave her shitty clothes to wear. Okay. Well, whatever. She said he made me look matronly. She does. Yeah. yeah. That's what I know for Miles says. I'm she's still alive. She's 90. Still kicking. Outlived Hitchcock. Outlived Janet Lee. She died not oh, too long yeah. ago. She was in Halloween H2O with her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and she drives the same car that she drove in this movie. <laughs> Which is kind of fun. Oh. Same kind. Not the exact same, yeah, yeah, but the would... same model and everything. Mm-hmm. She pulls up and you're like, hey. And she's tiny. Oh my gosh, she's like Jessica Tanny, tiny. Tanny, tiny. Tandy, tiny. <laughs> so yeah, they're all wondering where Marion is. Um, she didn't show up. Uh, they're like, you know what? The investigator's like, we're not going to charge her. If she comes back, brings up the money... It's it's we're not gonna incriminate well, her for anything. They don't want to get police involved. They're just gonna keep it private investigator. Private, yeah. yeah, but they haven't heard from her. They have no idea. So, um, how do they know that she stayed at the Bates Motel? Because that that Arbogast, the the PI, that's his name, right? Arbogast. Yeah. Right. He's just been Arbogast. He's just been going around. Down the highway to stopping at every motel. Yeah, and then he stops at the Bates Hotel. And stops at the Bates and then realizes that oh, Anthony, um, nope, Norman? Norman Bates is a terrible liar. Oh, the worst. So he's like, oh, this is a spot. He, yeah. So that's what he knows. And so he asks him, and he's like, yeah, the woman. And he compares handwriting because she signs the guest book or yep. whatever the yep to letters to registry. Sam, right? They had letters to Sam to I, look I'm at the writing. I would assume so. Yeah, he had he had yeah. a sample of her writing. Yeah. And, and then Norman, he's like, "Well, she stayed here oh, one that night. Is, that and, is the girl who was here. Yeah, yeah, stayed here one night. Now and I remember." And says some really suspicious stuff in between. And but... he can't lie; he's terrible at it. Norman. So now Arbogast, he knows that she was some... at least here. He's but either... he doesn't feel satisfied. He, he with thinks the questions. she's still here, hiding out mm-hmm. because Norman Bates is hiding her, or or something else has happened. Yeah. He's not really thinking she was killed. No. But he's thinking there's something weird. He might be, I think he thinks he's in cahoots with 
cahoots with Norma Marion Crane, Norma Crane, Marion Crane. Wow. Yeah. So he I um that I think that's the the most he's thinking about. He's like and he he's like, he tells Norma he's like I want to talk to your mother. And he's like no, she's an invalid. Can't talk to her. Oh yeah yeah. Um. But he's like, no, I'm going to talk to her anyway because something is up. And he, he, because Norman let it slip or like whatever Mother that, didn't approve. Mother didn't approve. It's like, oh, she talked oh, to no. her. Oh, your... no, I think he says, oh, even she even won over mother. Yeah, or something like Or mother saw through her. She says something about, and he's like, oh, she talked to your mom? And he's like, no. <laughs> or something. Yeah, like. basically. But so this guy's like, you know what? I'm going to go up to that creepy ass house and I'm going to talk to his mother. So... After he he calls Sam and the gang and lets them know, okay, well, this is going on, but I'm going to quick talk to the mother and then I should be back in Fairvale, which is where Sam Loomis lives. And then the sister's there. I'll be back there an uh, hour or less. Mm-hmm. Go talk to the mom. So he gets off the phone, goes up to the house, and he's kind of walking up the steps. What's going on? Already you can tell the camera. Is doing something weird. It's kind of keeping distance almost. Yeah, you're like, eh. it's making you feel a little well, on edge. Well, then we see the door creak open. Literally on edge. Yeah. You see the door of one of the rooms kind of creak open, and he is at the top of the steps at this point. And then the camera is showing overhead, the staircase yeah. from overhead. It's an odd shot, and you're like, why are we seeing it from this view? Taxi driver has that same shot, too. Yes, at the very end. Mm-hmm. It's a very famous shot. Yeah. Maybe Joker does, too. Because Joker is heavily influenced. But anyways. Um, anyways. Yeah. So we see him walk towards the bedroom. And suddenly, this is the jump stair. Well, he, barely, he barely clears the landing. He barely the... clears the landing. But he's walking towards the mm-hmm. bedroom. Kind yeah, of. Because that's the door that's opening. Yeah. And then the jump scare. One of my favorite jump scares. Gets me every time. Is that same old woman the same, running and out. We hear the... And she runs out with the knife and, you know. Slashes him across the face. The face. And then he falls down the steps. <laughs> he he the somehow camera, manages to backstep all the way down the steps. He backsteps all the way down. The camera just stays on his face. And the background does. It's a weird it's that lens weird, and camera. It's that weird push. That push in when he's Like the Jaws shot? No. It's like the um, the road on Fellowship of the Ring. Ooh. Where it. But is that the Jaws shot as well? You know Jaws yeah, shot I'm maybe. talking about. We're looking at Rod, Roy Scheider. It's weird. Because it doesn't look like the background is moving. It Everything just, around it is zooming falling. in. It's, yeah. It, yeah, it's weird. Because you're, you're, the person in focus stays there and everything else yeah. around him is coming in. But you can hear him, his feet like tumble, tumble, tumble. And then he falls and falls on the ground and she's, you know, mother is running and she comes and she finishes them off. We don't see it. We see the knife go up. Yep. A few times, I think. Just once. Oh, we hear it more often. You do and hear more stabs. And then cuts. So he did. Mother got him. Um, So in, back in Fairville, they're like, well, he said he'd be back an hour. He's not back. It's been three hours or whatever. Where yeah. is he? So they go find another police guy. Like well, they, the police they, guy. They're like, we have to get you involved. We didn't want to, but we have to. Is they that... go to, to... Do they go to... The sh- oh, he, he he's takes like the, the sheriff, sheriff, right? Oh, Fairvale. Deferty, Deferty. Fairvale, whatever the place Deputy is called. Sheriff L. Chambers. Okay. Um, yeah, they go to him and they're like, something's and up. And him and his wife know the Bateses. Oh, yeah, they know the Bateses. They know Norman. They know Norman. Norman, he's a little funny. <laughs> they're talking about the... He's a hermit. 
there's a woman there. She's like, oh, did Norman take a wife? And we all kind of giggle. We're like, no. <laughs> um, then they said, no, he lives over with his mother. And she, had the old lady, kind of has a look like, mother? Mm, that's your first clue that and then, something is and That's when the sheriff is like, listen. Weird. She's like, Marion's sister's like, I just want to know what happened to my sister. I know something mm-hmm. is wrong. You know, they're not going to, they said they're not going to incriminate her. If we could just get the money, get her back, all will be forgotten. I just want to know what ha- where she is. She's got that sisterly gut mm-hmm. instinct. Um, And he, well, did they agree to? Well, they call Norman. Because it's Sam and Li- Lila. Lila. Lila Crane, is that her name? Yeah. I'm a Lila. They, they call Norman and he talks to him and. He confirms that Arbogast was there. Uh-huh. And he hangs up the phone and he tells them. He said, yeah, he said the girl was there. She left. Arbogast was there. He told them everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and he left. And that was the end of it. And so then they're still pushing about the mother. And he says his mother died 10 years ago. Because the wife, that old lady. They say that before they go there? They tell. I them, thought we don't know that until at the end of the movie. No, we know that. Oh, man, because she's like, I helped him pick out the dress, her dress, her burial dress, a lovely oh, okay. blue thing, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because he's buried, she's buried in whatever that cemetery yeah, was called. Yeah, green. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, green lawn cemetery. Okay. Um. So, yeah, Sam and Lila decide they're going to go to the basement hotel themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going to crack this case. So they go, pretend they're a husband and wife, which Sam's probably like, eh, easy. I do this all the time. Yeah whatever dog so they go and they're like hey can we have a room and norman's there he's like okay and they're like should we sign in he's like no not necessary and he's like oh i'd rather have a you know because he he's sort of writing off as a business experience yeah, he's like, well this is a bit 90 percent business as he glances at his wife i'm all ew 10 percent banging so they want to see the guest book essentially yeah they want to see her handwriting maybe and they both confirm yeah. that it's that was her yeah um and he's like, well, we don't have any luggage and we have to pay you up front or whatever in well, advance. He, he's like, okay, $10. <laughs> and Norman's like, okay, here's your key. You know, he's like, well, this is odd because normally most motels you pay up front. Yeah. They're like, already, they're like, this guy's an so odd duck. All these red flags are popping up now. Quickly. All over. And Norman's not doing a good job at anything. He didn't even offer them milk and sandwich. Yeah. So they, uh, he's like, oh, there's your cabin. I'll just watch you walk there. So they go walk down to their cabin, whatever, 10 or whatever it is. And she goes ahead and quickly she checks oh, yeah, the first it, cabin. Yeah. She kind of peeks in. Just, and it's unlocked. Yeah. So she's like, okay, good. Now I know I can go mm-hmm. in here. So they put their stuff in and she's like, she's like, I have to see cabin one. I have to look in there. We mm-hmm. have to go in there. So he's like, you know, I'll distract him. You go in first. Well, and they only know it's cabin one because Arbogast figures out it's cabin one because... He yes. watches Norman Bates Hesitate. changing the linens, and he goes to Kevin one, looks at it, and then passes it. Yeah. As so if, like, he's just got a thing. I think it's Kevin one. Right. Because Norman Bates, that's ooky. Did he, well, did he tell, did Norman tell Mm-mm. Radagast the brown? <laughs> that's what his name is. Ar- I'm sorry. Ar- Arbogast the amber. <laughs> okay. So they're like, if if he sees us, just tell him we're, gonna, we're out to get air. Mm-hmm. So they go, they don't see Norman anywhere, so they sneak over to cabin one, and they sneak in. Well, she sneaks and in, and he... No. You know, they both go in. No, because he walks by, sees 
That's after they oh, look in. They both oh, go in. Well, they both get in. They're both looking in the dressers and they go in the bathroom. They find a piece of paper. One scrap of paper with with her forty thousand on it. So with her with her math on there, <laughs> a piece of her math. A piece of her math is on the ground. Um, this is proof she was here. Um. So now they think that he Norman Bates has the money. Yeah, they think and, that he did all. He's after and the money. Either has, which is Marion, or knows what happened to Marion. But yeah, they think he was after the money now for some reason. He that he would know about the money. Yeah. So and they're like, well, how do we know if he has it? He's like, well, if he opens up a new hotel ten miles up, we know exactly where he got the money. Because I mean, basically, she's saying, and we're in the audience. We're like, oh my god, you guys are going so the wrong way yeah. with this. So it's a smart diversion. Even we know what's what has happened, obviously. And now we're watching the people trying to solve the case going in the complete opposite direction. We're like, oh my god, you guys! No, it's not the money. Ugh. Well, anyway. it's like her whole thing is, look at this. Basically, she's like, look at this shithole. Of course, he wants to get out of it. <laughs> well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. So they kind of confirm, yep, she was here. Um, they leave, and he, she goes, she goes back to their. Well, no, she makes the plan to go check out the house. Oh, yeah, she's going to go up to the house, and he's going to go so distract Norman. He's going to go talk to Norman. So Lila goes to the psycho house. And and what's his name? Sam's in the office with Norman, who had been there the whole time. So He's was, like, hey, you looking for me? So was he peeping? Looking, I the, bet he was peeping in the hole. I just thought of that. Oh, wait, no, but he wouldn't no. have been because he would already have known that she was going to go up to the house. Because he asked oh. her, where's that girl you were here with? Oh, yeah. so Because he had no reason to be peeping at the hole because he, no one's in there. Yeah. As far as he knows. So, mistake on his part. He so. shouldn't. So, yeah. <clears throat> he's distracting Norman by talking to him while Lila goes up to the house. And we're just like on the edge of our seat. We're like, oh, God. Who is she going to find up there? She's walking around the house. Who the If his mother's dead, who is in this goddamn house, right? Because we know his mom is dead. So, she goes up, goes in, and she... Uh, finds the bedroom was it open or she opened a door i don't remember she just goes and she just snoops around yeah she goes and we see this lavish bedroom with all this shit like not like but like it's all old lady shit old lady shit fancy stuff and she's like looking around it looked like like, um you know what it looked like when you see pictures of like hearst castle yeah that gaudy just which it was probably just a you know everything was like mahogany and like gold colored you know i mean you know it's just a back lot set yeah in universal studios well they just emptied a prop room and put everything they had in it on display i'm trying to look up what are the metal hands in psycho i don't know i wanted to see if anything said it and it would take too long so um yeah she see all the stuff and the camera's focusing on all the stuff and we're like what does that mean mm-hmm what does that mean? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, so she's looking, doesn't find anything in the bedroom, but just the old stuff. Then she goes, she ends up in that fruit cellar. Well, because she, she's coming down the stairs and then she sees Norman come running up because him and Sam had, had a scuffle. She sees him outside still. She's coming down the stairs. How does she end up in the fruit cellar? Okay, she's coming down the stairs. Yeah. She sees Norman coming up after his scuffle with Sam. He uh-huh. knocks him out with the sugar bowl. Yep. The vase. Yeah. <laughs> the sugar bowl. So then she hides in the stairs that go up. Oh. She's hiding in the downstairs, the basement yeah. stairs. And that's. And Norman goes 
upstairs, I think. So she heads down. Yeah. She sees like a light on. Uh-huh. So oh. she goes down into the fruit cellar and yeah. sees mother in the corner. We see the back of an old lady <coughs> sitting in a chair. Um, and Lila's like, Mrs. Bates? She walks up and puts her hand on, on her shoulder and kind of. And for some reason, she's sitting in a swivel chair. <laughs> She says she's because she's slowly she's sitting, spins. She's sitting in an office chair. <laughs> she's like, wee, it spins. Um, and we see Mother, who was actually a mummified corpse spell, of Mother. A mummified corpse with her mouth. Open eye sockets and. And yeah, jewelry. <laughs> she's all dressed nicely. Yeah. Wearing that blue dress that they buried her in. God. And Lila screams and her hand goes up and her hand hits it's the, the that light, light, which yeah. is so wonderful because that's, that's your lighting Makes for that shot. Move, oh, all it's the shadows so move good. Around. It's so good. I love it. She's freaking out, of course. And then she's screaming. And she's screaming. And then we see. We see mother come running. We see Norman Bates dressed <laughs> as mother. With that manic. With, with that. Face you'll never forget if you ever saw that. That in real big smile. He has that shit-eating <laughs> smile. Yeah. Oh my god! And he's got the knife, but Sam luckily grabs him and pulls him down and mm-hmm. and gets him. Yeah. And basically wrestles him. You to the see ground, the wig basically. fly off. And the you know the camera shows the wig on the ground. Then you and you see Norman just <laughs> completely like just in despair. I mean, he's <laughs> so yeah. It turns out mother's been dead. She's for, been dead for 10 years. 10 years. No, because Norman killed her when they, Mama got a boyfriend. Well, they it was ruled a murder-suicide where she had killed her lover and then killed herself. That's what the official that was what, original yeah, that was report what, was. Yeah. That was her cause of death originally. But um, the psychiatric guy at the police station actually talked. <laughs> he's, he's the most unpsychiatrist looking psychiatrist oh my god he's got a cigarette he's he like well this is what's going on he was either a, a shitty gangster he's like i learned all my information from mother mother told me everything because <laughs> he came shit out of the godfather because <laughs> at this point norman thinks he's mother and he's, he's describing he's, how the mother personality has taken over basically. he's more mother now than man <laughs> he's more mother now than norman because <laughs> norman has kind of lived his last pen- 10 years um as sometimes Norman and sometimes mother. He would uh, prop up the corpse on the couch and have conversations with mom and he was, he would answer for her. And then, As mother in a mother voice. It's so fucking weird. Whatever. I mean, schizophrenic. No. I mean, so, right? He's schizophrenic? Yeah. Or they don't say that. They're like, well, he's a transvestite. Um, <laughs> and they describe, they like define transvestite. And I'm like, 1960s standard. That's probably not how you define it today. Yeah. Very un. It's un- very PC. Un- PC. <laughs> no, it's very unwoke. But very unwoke. It's, it's it's sleep. But my question is, so obviously we hear mother speaking throughout the movie, and mm-hmm. we realize, oh, that was Norman speaking. Mm-hmm. Was that Anthony Perkins speaking? I don't think so. I think it's someone. It else. was another I meant voice. To look at that because oh, someone's texting me. Hold on. Pause. Later that same evening. So yeah, what? So we don't. Do we know who did the mother voice? Like no. real in real, real real life, really? And who was the actual voice of mother? I'm like Googling. Who did the? We don't have Google with us in the basement. Yeah, we do. Oh. Hey Google, 
Is it even plugged in? No. Oh. Shit, she's not. Google, this Google's not plugged in. Okay, who did the voice of Mother? Um, multiple actresses, including Jeanette Nolan, who was married to John McIntyre, who played Sheriff Al Chambers. So yeah. So there was an actual woman yep. doing the. Okay. I figured because that last so that last scene was probably Jeanette Nolan. Well, I mean, um, because the voice is final- so different too. I'm like, that's pretty good if that. Well, I think I bet so. In the beginnings, we first hear that it could be Anthony Perkins doing a higher because mm. that was when he was both. Right, but right. now he's like he's all mother now. It's someone completely oh, different. Okay, you know, so I'm guessing that's when they used a completely they, they different actress it. to do the voice. It makes sense because I mean, when you look back, you're like, oh, you never hear both of them speaking at the same time. No, like they don't ever interrupt each other. That'd be pretty talented if you could yeah. do that. Because that, that's when you can oh put all the pieces together. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering who had done the voice of mother. So yeah, he's you know he's saying he's basically he's all mother now, <laughs> and that's who told me all this information. Um, so it ends with uh, we see Norman all wrapped, tied up in the crazy room, mm-hmm. um, and talking to himself in mother's voice because he's mother now, and saying how I'm. They'll, I forgot what he says, but... I think... Oh, I think Mother feels bad about having to throw her son under the bus. But, you know, it's better than her going to jail or whatever. You know. Yeah. She wouldn't even harm a fly. So, yeah. It's, it's creepy. I mean, it's, you know, the original twist. Really. The original M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah. Which, you know, it... You have to do those well. And back in 1960, you sure weren't expecting that. I think nowadays... There's two twists. You didn't expect, you know, Marion Crane to die halfway through. You didn't expect mm-hmm. Norman Bates to actually be the same... Be as mother. His, to be mother and... Yeah. So it's... It knocks your socks off, really, when you think about it. I mean, watching it again now, tonight, I was trying to figure out when would I... When could you know the secret? It's... Um, possible because even before i saw this movie i knew Mm -hmm. i think it's one of those things where most people know already going into it especially now yeah obviously but it's very on the it's it's very luke i am your father yeah it's hard to hard to avoid that on the podcast blank check griffin was like they're talking about the sixth sense Mm -hmm. and griffin's sister romilly has never seen the sixth sense and she has no idea what it's about or they, what happens? Did they make her watch it? Not. He's like, I'm so fucking excited for her to see this. God, she has no clue. That'd be so good. That'd be so much fun to be able to watch. Right. Something like that again. I'm trying to think of when I saw that movie if I knew because I didn't see it in theaters. Um. I remember. Um. Nope. I mean, That's the others. You know, when we, we, we did the others. I figured it out right away. Village. I know you figured it out right away. Oh, I mean, yeah, the village. I didn't. The others I did not figure out. The others until... were not dead. We're I didn't know dead. until the end. I didn't either. That yeah. one threw me for a loop. Um, but yeah, to have something so canonical, like psycho, so ingrained in, in just mm-hmm. pop culture, mm-hmm. even if you don't see it, it's like, well, I know what happens. I mean, I'll watch it. Like, oh, was that that one where he's the mother? <laughs> where he like, you know, the she like got, dies in the shower, right? Yeah. Like halfway through. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's so, yeah, it's hard. And 
But yeah, so it's hard to put myself into that because I think we've tried that. Like, I think we talked about it with the others. If you look at it as a, I've never seen this. Like, are there? When, when, you, are, when are there clues? When are there clues? Because you know, you know, Hitchcock sprinkled them everywhere. But because that's just the kind of filmmaker like, he is. Even in this, but in this movie, there's, there's no reason to think that there isn't two people. Yeah. In that house. No, it would never. Because we even, because you see the figure in the window, so there's a person there. Yeah, I mean, you don't know that. And you see Norman Bates right there. Yeah, so you're like, oh, that wouldn't be a corpse. (laughs) I mean, why would you, why would your brain go there? You know, I don't know. It's, it's pretty crazy. I think, I, I, I think if I had seen this for the first time without knowing anything, I, that fruit cellar scene would freak me out. Yeah. I'd be so thrilled and You think that scene in Goonies was inspired by this scene? When they're in the in the The pirate ship and he finds one eyed Willie. He sees the back of him and he turns him around and it's the, Oh I don't know. I the skeleton. Wonder. It's yeah, the same know. it's the same shot, really. He's got the eye patch. I don't know. He's all <laughs> He sucks up his asthma juice his, or whatever. His vape. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good shit and it's his highest grossing movie. It's Hitchcock's highest grossing. And I don't know if that's just relative to the budget. Well, um, it wouldn't be. It would just be. Because the budget was. It would just be box office numbers. 806000 mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, And the box office is $50 million. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it made a lot of movie. Oof. It made a lot of movie. That's a lot of and, movie for that money. I mean, he was so genius with his marketing. Like, the all the stuff that was at the theaters. All the things. You could do, um, yeah, those, all those signs. You cannot arrive late. You can't leave early. Like, he was mm. so strict about keeping it a secret. Uh-huh. Um, well, the fact that he bought up all the books, he bought all the books. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, the most controversial. Well, so like I was reading about the, all the controversies. Because it was a lot of the production code concerns. They had that production code. Uh-huh. Um, so their concerns were, one of them was its depiction of sexuality and violence. Uh, right from the opening scene in which they're having an illicit affair. She's in a bra on the same bed. God, so production, production code standards at that time, unmarried couples shown in the same bed would have been forbotten. Mm. So, yeah. And then there's the whole gender bending thing. Uh-huh. That was a concern of theirs. Homosexuality and transvestite, that whole mm-hmm. thing. The One of the big ones, flushing a toilet. The open toilet. I mean, <laughs> especially with contents fully visible. It's not, she's not flushing shit down. It's not like she took a shit. She's flushing a piece of paper down. But yeah. um, no flushing toilet had appeared in any mainstream film and television in the U.S. In 1960. And they still hadn't <laughs> shown like a... I mean, what would the reason be? But the fact that it hadn't been shown because it was like a ooh, don't that's where we put our we don't we don't poopies. we don't talk about our <laughs> our, our bathroom. I know. Yeah, well, even um, you know, when um Norman is showing her the the room, he's like, oh, here's you know, and whatever. And then he opens up the bathroom door, and there's and there's because he doesn't want to say a pockets. He knows. I don't know. Does he randomly kill people in the shower? Maybe no. Looking I think back, he's just uncomfortable with bathrooms. And toilets, and that's where you go duty. That's where you're naked in. Yeah. Um, the censors insisted they could see one of her boobs 
in the shower scene. So um, they're like, no, you can't. You have to re- redo this so we can see one of her boobs. So Hitchcock held on to the print for several days, left it untouched, and then resubmitted it for approval. Like, oh, it's better. And they reversed their decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those who had previously seen the boob... It says breast. I keep saying boob. I'm sorry. Those who had previously seen the breast now did not, and those that did not now did. Just shows you how fucked up yeah. production code sensors are. Um, they passed the film after the director moved one shot that showed the buttocks of her stand-in. So, the, you know, they were upset by the racy opening of the movie. Mm-hmm. So Hitchcock said that if they let him keep the shower scene, he would reshoot the opening with them on the set. Um, none of them showed up for the re- for the reshoot, though. So it's like, well, it's staying in, though. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll reshoot it, but you got to come here. And then they're all like, oh, we don't want to go downtown. And so, you know, we don't want to go to Phoenix. That was filmed in Phoenix. Oh, it was. God. So opening stayed. But the most controversial move was Hitchcock's no late admission policy for the film, which is very unusual. Because mm. really, but, you can't control what the theater does. But and well, I, me, I'm like, why the hell would you show up late for a movie? Well, Come on, guys. We know people. I'm like 30 minutes ahead. I got to get my seat and just be comfortable. Yeah, I know. We know people. I guess that, is it Clouseau, a director? Do you know that name? He directed Diab- 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 Diabolique. Diabolique. I'm a diabolic. Uh, C-L-U. Nope. C-L-O-U-Z-O-T. <clears throat> Apparently, he did the same thing in France. Mm-hmm. No late admission policy. Okay. But Hitchcock thought if people entered the theater late and never saw um, the star actress, Janet Lee, they would feel cheated. Because if they came half hour late and they're like, where's Janet Lee? Yeah. Well, she fucking died. <laughs> Her character got yeah, yeah. slashed. Um, and at first, theater owners were against the idea. They said, oh, we're going to lose business if you do that. But um, it worked because you got long lines to see this movie. People are like, I'm not showing late to see this. Did you see the commercials for this? There was a six-minute trailer that would add. That would add. That would air on TV. A six-minute trailer. And all it was was Hitchcock walking through the house talking about. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I have seen that. It's bananas. It's so good. I have like, seen can that. you imagine if they did say we're like, oh my god, just shut up. Why is James Cameron walking on a fucking submarine? I don't want to see for a fucking six movie. Go away. I want to see the blob water. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie was so successful that they reissued it in 1965. By then, everyone knows how how what happens, how it ends. But people are like, this is fucking awesome. We've never seen shit like this before. Yeah, well, I mean, this is crazy. Let's go see it again. And now if- let's look for clues. Well, I mean, if <laughs> if theaters started showing New Hope, there'd be lines out there. Well, like door. in 97, they did. And well, I know. Yeah, I mean, there were lines. They could, do, yeah. they could do it every year and yeah. it would still... Well, back then, they were... They it'd were, be fine. Yeah. But... Yeah, it was a... What started off as a kind of a fuck you to the movie studio turned out to be a huge success. I'm sure Paramount was like, oh, gee, you're right. This was good. Hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's lasted to this day. I mean, it's still, you know, gets referred to as. It's one of the best. One of the first horror movies. You know, it had the, you know, first twist ending, first slasher film. I mean, it. it's so different from some of his other movies, yet it still has that same, like, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of creepy tone. 
Because really, before this, horror movies were the Hollywood monster flicks. They were sci-fi, you know, you know the yeah. atomic age type of Godzilla, and King it was Kong. Like it was monster movies. Dracula and Frankenstein and... Yeah, because I think, you know, they would say... Black Lagoon. Um, it was all that. Kind of talking about this one. They're like, yeah, you guys think horror movies are just monster movies that don't exist. This is a guy who could live next mm-hmm. door to you. And that's what made it so different and so scary. And why, you know, movies that came after that i mean you get the 70s way too realistic horror movies i mean yeah. i don't need to see some of those uh the last house on the left shit <laughs> texas chainsaw i mean they're all inspired by uh oh this really could happen type of thing not like oh look at this ant bit a man and now he's mant oh yeah well that's matinee <laughs> i can't wait to watch that one that's the best monster movie i've ever seen um yeah, it changed Hollywood forever and inspired one of my favorite genres. I know you don't like scary movies. Uh, done well. They are fantastic. And they're, you know, it's... Is Pet Cemetery considered a horror movie? Of course. Horror movie. I guess it is, isn't it? God, it's horrifying. So much scarier than this one. Yeah, it is. I don't know why. We have a poster for Pet Cemetery on our basement wall. Um, a Mondo print. So it's not like a movie poster, but it's fancy. It's and it's a horrifying... Well, it's a cat. Sort of. And a coffin. Ugh, Pet Cemetery. That's a hard one to watch. I used to watch it a lot as a kid because I was messed up. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, Psycho, would you... Uh, my new thing is, uh, would you tell someone to buy this DVD? That could be our new... Uh, instead of, why don't we? Why don't we own other Hitchcocks? I don't know because I... I would love to own Vertigo. And the birds, they're fun to watch. Birds was fun. Yeah, it's fun because it's... <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was fun. <laughs> um, but would you recommend this DVD? Of course. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's an easy one. You don't have to be a... It a, should come with You every, don't have to be a Hitchcock It should come with buff. every DVD player. <laughs> it should come with it? <laughs> it be you, know, like, you know when you buy like a, a Nintendo, it always came with the game. It always came with oh, did it? Mario Brothers or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You buy a DVD, but it should come. It should come with one movie from the AFI Top 100 list, <laughs> just randomly. I hope they change that list. Oh, look, we get Psycho. I really have a feeling because you know there's that podcast, um, Unspooled, where they go through the AFI Top 100, but the list is from 2007. Yeah, wh- how often is that list updated? Every 10 years. Okay, so there is a, a a more current list. Then. Not yet. I thought it was ever because there was 98, and then there's 2007. There hasn't been one since. Oh, because Paul and Amy are going off in 2007. They, so never made really a, they never made a 2017 list or because whatever? they're working with AFI with this. I'm like, God, I really hope. So I wonder if I wonder if at the end if the end of their podcast kicks off the new list. God, I hope so. Oh, that's what I'm like secretly sneaky. hoping. I would be so happy because because they always talk about should this stay on? Would you leave it on or would you kick it off? Um, Psycho, like I said, was number 14 on the AFI. I'm pretty sure that's gonna stay on, even though Hitchcock has about four. I think he has four movies on that list three i know vertigo is in the top 10 i think vertigo is like seven i'm, I'm guessing vertigo birds no Psycho. birds is not on there <gasps> really no north by northwest is oh yeah yeah and vertigo and i don't know if one of its older ones from the 40s like suspicion rebecca i don't know i know for sure those three are but i don't know the big conversation is when there's a director that has like a lot of movies on that list they're like well which ones can we keep and which ones should go and make room for someone new you know which is you know, Scorsese, I can never... Scorsese has, like, four movies, and 
Amy, Amy is always like, you know, we can get rid of most of his. Well, I mean, he thinks Marvel superhero movies are yeah. lame. Martin Scorsese recently <laughs> came out saying he thinks that superhero movies like Marvel movies aren't are, cinema. They're like theme parks. And they aren't cinema. <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't think he has ever seen a superhero movie. So. Well, and then yeah. Samuel Jackson was like, not everybody likes his shit either. I know. Right. <laughs> And someone's like, uh, bitch, theme parks are really fun. So, I know. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but. But yeah, Psycho is not a theme park I want to go to. It is definitely cinema. Well, we have been to the Psycho theme park. Oh, shit, we have. Universal <laughs> Studios. And we told our Universal Studios story on a previous podcast where the actor at the why were we even? Why were we even talking Cause about Because we just gone back from the trip and we were talking about our. We were just bullshitting <clears throat> before we got into the whatever we were talking yeah. about. Okay. The actor playing Norman Bates at the Bates Motel when you're on the tram ride. And decided looking- to run up to the tram and he grabbed on the side of the tram right where I was sitting, locked eyes with me, and I almost shit my pants. And never stopped watching the tram. And then he, as he it- jumps off the tram, but then he did not stop staring at it as until we-, we were fully out of sight. Like up the hill around the God. bend. <laughs> it was good. I mean, I was giddy because I was and- like, yes, it's fun. And looking back, like he did look pretty good for like a norman bates stand-in yeah i mean you just need to be kind of lean tall, tall. dark eyes dark hair you know it's... But, i mean he looked it looked pretty <coughs> good though it looked it looked pretty good like it wasn't like a oh my god that's norman bates but i mean well you know what's not i mean it was a pretty good like it was a pretty good cosplay yeah is uh anthony perkins still around? no he's dead did he when did he die isn't he dead? Oh, I think he's oh, dead. Oh, God. I feel like he did, too, but... Was he... I think he was a homosexual. Was he... Yeah, I was thinking, was he openly <laughs> gay? That's weird, but that's the term they kept using. Well, was he openly gay after... Oh, he died in 1992. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has the same birthday as Heath Ledger. Because mm. um, he had... He didn't have HIV? He died of AIDS, right? What did Perkins die of? Pneumonia. He was, he's born. Oh, age related pneumonia, yeah. He was what, 60? 59. He was born 32. Died so, yeah. in 92. So 60. He had age related pneumonia. Oh, sad. I don't know. He had a he had an interesting career. A lot of people didn't want to work with him for some reason. I don't really know his story. Um, then he got typecast. Um, he was married though. Kept it a secret. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Um, I do recommend this movie. I don't think it's streaming, but if you do like, oh, his wife died in on the in the nine eleven attacks. What? Yeah. That's crazy. She was on flight on American Airlines <gasps> flight eleven. Oh. Yeah. That's dark. Now I can't separate the two. Oh. Okay. Oh, that was a happy ending. Oh, guess what movie is next? Star huh. Calendar. Sixth Sense. Which one is that? I'm just kidding. One uh, twist after another. Yeah, the next movie, Sixth Sense. M. Night Shyamalan, his debut movie, and what a What a way debut. to come out and be like, here I am. I'm making movies. I mean, this is the reason why Blake Tech started with Shyamalan. <laughs> I mean... I mean this Blank is one of those fun movies years. where it had me to the very end. Oh, my God. It was, yeah. 
It's a good one. It. I didn't think I was going to like it. I don't know why. Had you... I didn't see it in the theaters. I think I you you owned the DVD. Did so you I, know anything about it when you watched it then? I knew of it. I don't... You didn't know the secret though. I knew that there was a twist. You, I did, think you once didn't know you, the twist. I didn't really know the twist. Okay. I wasn't really like... <gasps> I think once you tell someone, oh, there's a twist, then they're waiting. That takes everything out of it. It yeah. takes every their experience because they're waiting the whole time. Is that the twist? Is did, Was that the twist right there? Yeah. Is this... Yeah. So do yourself a favor. If you see a movie and there's a twist at the end and you think someone should see this movie, don't tell them there's a twist. Just, Just say, hey, you should go see this movie. It's a good movie. Just leave them completely unprepared for it. That's what that's what you have to do. So. So, yeah, that'll be good. Cool. Halfway through October spookies um, after that. I think so. Eh, not really. Okay. Keep listening. Like, subscribe, whatever. Sure. Tell your friends. Do all Follow that. Follow us on Twitter at why do we own this one numeral one? Get you don't one. have to. We don't tweet anything interesting. No, we don't. What we actually do is just tweet the, the episode. I haven't even tweeted the last episode. No, you didn't. The last two, I don't think. Shit. Um, I did. I did the Donnie Darko one, I think. I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, because I don't even look at the Twitter. Ne- uh, Sixth Sense, it actually is on Netflix. Oh, is it? So, um, Are all of his movies? No, I just, because t- I go to my Apple TV app on, and I type in the movie and it says how to watch. And it says open in Netflix mm. app. So um, if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, give it a rewatch. We're celebrating its 20th anniversary, or we did in August. So yeah. Cool. Until then, keep stay spooky. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Cutting all that out. Nope.